the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the business savvy singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. This has been a wonderful season of celebration for the Business Savvy Singer podcast. We've recently celebrated our 100th episode. We're about to embark upon our third season, and we're having a wonderful opportunity to educate, entertain, and encourage singers everywhere. Today is the Business Savvy Singer podcast awards episode. We are giving honorable mention to two outstanding Business Savvy Singer podcast guests, and then we will announce the Business Savvy Singer podcast first place award winner. These celebrants have been selected based upon the number of views to their episode. The two outstanding podcast guests will each receive a $50 Amazon gift card, and our first place winner will receive a $100 Amazon gift card. We thank you, our loyal listeners, for joining us each week as we share the fabulous journeys of singers and those who love them. The Business Savvy Singer! Our first Business Savvy Singer podcast outstanding guest is Mae Cohen, episode number 78. May is a wonderful singer, and for many years, she recorded and toured as a background singer with the late, great Aretha Franklin. And yes. you told me that you were a single mother and that you, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, your child was with you for much of the time that you were working with these people. Tell us about that. You know, there are so many women who feel that they have to leave the business once they have children. And that is yeah, not necessarily but, true. So tell us about your experience. You know, it, it's interesting because when I, I, I had my son at 28. Mm-hmm. And when I had my son, several people, particularly males now, mm-hmm. I just want to make note of that, <laughs> particularly males. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, well, I guess you won't be singing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> you know, now. Now, mind you, it is an adjustment, you know, because you're a parent Mm -hmm. and it's not just you anymore. You got to think of this, you know, other human being, you know, that is your child, you know, but it does not necessarily mean that you have to quit Mm -hmm. the music business Mm -hmm. or even, you know, you can still 
be a single parent and still have a lucrative career, yeah. you know, and still be active. Absolutely. You know, I I think one important thing is early on, you, you just have to train your child. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, you know, because a lot of times I took my son on rehearsals. Mm-hmm. You know, I took him to a couple of gigs, mm-hmm. you know. I never took him on the road, but all the local stuff, most of the local stuff, particularly when he was small, mm-hmm. he accompanied me to a lot of these things. That's wonderful. You know, and he just kind of, you know, got into the groove of learning how to behave. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's great. Well, I, I had one instance, uh, the Capitol Theater no longer exists. It used to be on 79th and Halsted. Mm-hmm. And uh, early on, the Regal used to have a lot of uh, entertainers that came through. But then the Capitol kind of became that place, you mm-hmm. know, where a lot of artists would come through. And um, Ellen and Ellen Samuels, she's no longer with us, bless her soul. Ellen Samuels and myself, we did a gig at the Capitol with this artist who opened for James Brown. Wow. And uh, something, I don't know what happened. His background sings didn't show up. You know, who doesn't know James Brown's uh, right. material? <laughs> right. See, and I'm saying everybody knows James Brown's material. But I don't know what happened, whether, you know, the uh, background sings didn't show up or whatever. And he asked Ellen and I, you know, to step in. So, mm-hmm. of course, wow. without uh, hesitation. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. We, we stepped in. And my son was with me at this particular gig, mm-hmm. you know, but we were playing and we thought, okay, we're going to do this short thing and then we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so I, I set my son in a chair. It was at an old, Capitol Theater was one of those old theaters that have those curtains. Mm-hmm. And then they have those partitions where you can kind of look in between the curtains yes. all the way to the end on yes. the other end of the stage. Mm-hmm. I set my son in a chair <laughs> and I said, now I said, mommy's getting ready to do a gig. You know, and you're gonna sit right here <laughs> until mommy's done. And and do you know he did? That's wonderful. I, I'm blessed that I had an obedient child. And yes. he, he was he was pretty active. <laughs> he he was active too. But you know, when it came time to be obedient, he yeah. was obedient. Yeah, he knew he knew what to, what to do. Yeah. Yes, yes. He knew he knew how to act. Another time, Chicago Bulls. That's another place that's not open anymore. I had a oh, gig yeah. there. You know, Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. They had a late. Uh, uh, they stayed open late to like maybe four in the morning, yes, two, yes. Mm-hmm. two o'clock or four o'clock license. I can't remember which, but here again, my son was with me, you know, and everybody was sitting there, you know, the a waiter came on saying, hey, you all want anything to drink or whatever. And my son said, mom, order me some orange juice. You know, he just got into the groove of it. You know <laughs> <Yes>. what I mean? <laughs> That's very cute. Our second business savvy singer podcast, Outstanding Guest, is Parisian maestro Jean-Claude Orfali. Episode number 65. Maestro Orfali is a renowned French pianist, composer, and conductor. I know that you've written several songs, but this particular one uh, just has struck me tremendously, and I asked you to send me the the sheet music for it, uh, Une Coupe de Champagne. Yes, Paris, une coupe de champagne. Oui, oui, it yes. is absolutely fantastic. We are going Thank to you. put a recording of it in our show notes. Um, you performed this with, with the wonderful soprano Christine Steyer, uh, yes. whom I also happen to know, and uh, just fantastic performance. Tell us a little bit about that, how you, uh, first of all, tell us what it means, and and then tell us how you came to write the song. 
Right. So about the song Paris, une coupe de champagne, um, it's it's a, it's a song about Paris, and it starts by une coupe de champagne. The words start, the lyrics start by une coupe de champagne. So um, we hesitated a little bit in between. We call it Paris, or we call it une coupe de champagne. I found out that you know, Coupe de Champagne is very special, and as you start the song with it, it can mean something. So I needed to keep Paris because it talks about Paris. So yes. I wrote Paris, comma, une Coupe de Champagne. It's beautiful. And that opening, that opening phrase is just spectacular. It is spectacular. And, you know, for, for a singer, I mean, what, you couldn't ask for anything more beautiful. It's, it's lovely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's true. I'm looking forward to having our listeners hear it because it it really, you know, hopefully you'll get a lot of other singers that want to sing it because it is it is a beautiful, beautiful song. I would be delighted. (laughs) Great. Starting by you, if you would like to sing it. Well, I definitely plan to sing it. That's why I asked for the sheet music. (laughs) I definitely plan to do that. So I will be honored. <laughs> thank you. Sure, sure, so sure. um how did you think to write this song? You were just wanting to share the idea of Paris with people? Uh yes, when I met uh the author, um Monsieur Francois Alfonsi, Francois Alfonsi that became a friend afterwards, and uh we talked about collaboration. So I came back to him and I said Okay, I've got, uh, uh, I, I, I really don't remember exactly, but I think I've done like that. I had uh, a melody and I said, I was thinking about Paris and I've got the melody. So he started to work, uh, to, to write the words, wow. whether the, the contrary, that he put these words and I put the melody. And then we continued together okay. with the song. So, wow. so we've put uh, words on the music and then we wrote the, the that was the verse. And then we wrote together the uh, the the refrain. Yeah. Um, the, the, the refrain. Refra- the refrain. Yes. The refrain. Yes. The refrain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So he wrote the words for the refrain, and I put the music. So we've got two parts. It's it, it, when he wrote the the words, it was kind of a film. You know, mm-hmm. you just sing in a coupe de champagne, you know, glass of champagne, and then uh, superbe compagne, uh, beautiful, uh, uh, you know, girlfriend or something mm-hmm. like this, you know, mm-hmm. and you start to see um, different phrases to show you where you are sitting and what you are feeling and so on. So it, it was like a film. So I loved this very much. And in the second part, that was romantic. And the second part, it talks about... It's uh, let's it, the party. Paris is the mm-hmm. party for lovers, you know. Mm-hmm. So whether it is romantic or it is really the party, so, wow. uh, so it got the two parts. It expresses know, all of that. I mean, the 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 music and the way that the lyrics fit. It it expresses all of that. You know, it is a wonderful wonderful song that I hope will become a standard. I, it certainly is of the caliber to become a standard. It's a beautiful song. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And finally, our Business Savvy Singer podcast first place award winner is Joe Stam, episode number 16. 
Joe Stam has built a legacy with his countrified roots rock music, drawing upon his small town upbringing in rural Illinois for a sound that blends heartland hooks with Nashville twang. We were going to include excerpts from Joe's episode, but as we re-listened to his interview, we found that there were so many wonderful pearls of wisdom that we've decided to include the full interview within this episode. Joe touches upon so many things that are important to singers. This interview took place in 2020, during the very early stages of the pandemic, before vaccinations were available. Joe talks about being resilient and tenacious, especially during that time. Ladies and gentlemen, the Business Savvy Singer podcast first place winner, Joe Stam. Good, it's so good to hear you and see you again. It's been we're a doing years yes, since it has. That's absolutely right. It's been a couple of years. Um, we were actually on a panel together uh, for a an arts conference, which was very cool, and uh, you had such interesting things to say about your work and your band and your profession and your journey. And I thought, you know, what a great thing to have you on the Business Savvy Singer podcast and learn a little bit more. So happy to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. So tell us how you got started singing. Were you a little kid or did you start later in life or what happened? No, I actually, often I've told the story. I remember when I was a little Boy, I was down in my, I had a room in the basement and I was downstairs singing um, to uh, one of the songs from the Aladdin cartoon movie. Oh. Uh, quite boisterously. <laughs> and I remember one of my sisters <laughs> opening, the, opening the door to my room and making fun of me. And, and that just kind of characterizes what my general attitude towards music growing up was. It was kind of, I was, a, I played sports and was, was much more of, uh, a jock and yeah. music just wasn't something you did, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had in college, um, after I was done playing football and everything, my last semester, I had to take an arts course to graduate. And so I took oh. introduction to guitar oh, cool. and I started writing songs right away. And, you know, I had always, I had always liked singing, you know, in the car and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it was never—it <laughs> was never something, you know, I was going to do. I mean, if you just told me when I was eighteen that I was going to um, perf- sing and 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 play music and write songs for a living, I would—I mean, it was just—I just—I wouldn't have possibly thought that was a realm that I would ever get into. So it just kind of, and then it just kind of, uh, kind of just built it for, from there. We just wow. kept doing it more and more. And, Started playing in little bars long before I ever should have been singing and performing in public, you know. <laughs> Certainly in bars, but, huh? But, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But ignorance, ignorance is bliss, you know, as far as, you know, you're getting going. You don't know how good you should be and, yeah. and, and what it's going to take and all that stuff. So I just, I just kept doing it. I've been doing it now for uh 12 13 years i guess wow that's great so you didn't play guitar or anything before you took this arts class no so i was probably 20 23 wow. i think when i when i started 
Wow. So that, that is very yeah. encouraging. You know, sometimes people feel that you have to have been doing this all your life. You know, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, I have, I have a buddy who, who I grew up with and again, he had nothing to do with, with sports whatsoever, or nothing to do with music his whole life really. And then he just started doing it a couple of years ago and, you know, he's my age. So, and wow. I, you know, and nothing but encouragement for people that, that want to try to, if, if they're in a responsible situation, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't, do it, I didn't do it full time until four years ago. So wow. it, was a, it was a side hustle thing for, for many years. And then um, four years ago, this September is when I quit my job and decided to make a go of it. But by then, the, I had built up enough of, um, you know, for one, I had built up some savings from my, from the very good job that I quit, <laughs> you know, and, and we had yeah. built up a little bit of, of something, um, in terms of a fan base and, and, um, in terms of an operation that, that I felt like it was kind of now or never at that particular point. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, it took a lot of courage to do that, but I'm <laughs> sure that you're very glad that you did it. You know, sometimes you have to take that leap of faith, you know? Absolutely. It was, uh, it was. It was a difficult decision. Like I said, the job I left was a very good job, and it had a lot of security. Yeah. And uh, but it was a situation where, from a business perspective and a personal development perspective, mm -hmm. uh, I was running this this part this this particular company within a larger company, and the the next person above me was was the owner. You know. So wow. It was a, it was a situation where there, it was you know it could have been a nice cushy job that I could have worked for 30 more years and retired yeah. very comfortably. But, um, you know, yeah. there was, there was kind of just that drive to do something else and do something yeah. more for myself and my own business. Yeah. Um, as well as just, you know, Hey, you're getting, you know, um, see, I was, I would have been 34 at the time. So mm -hmm. it was, it was just kind of one of those things where I felt like if I was going to do it, I needed it. I needed to do yeah. it. So it was it was nerve wracking. Um, but, and I said, I'd give myself, I think one or two, I think two years. So mm -hmm. I said, I'd give myself and, you know, I just never looked back. There's, there's been very few days, if any, where I was like, man, I, maybe I shouldn't quit. You know, That is great. And you, you will have no regrets with regard to that. You know, you, you got out <laughs> there and you did it. You followed your dreams. I think it's fantastic, but it was a very calculated kind of risk. It wasn't just jumping out there. I mean, you, you knew that you had a following and right. that you wanted to do this and you, you know, weighed everything. And that's, you know, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it certainly wasn't, you know, the stereotypical story of, of you know, I'm going to move to Nashville right. and I'm going to see <laughs> if I can make, you know, it's, right. it's never been, it's never been my, <laughs> my, my thing. Uh, it was, I was fortunate to be able to work in sales and marketing for, oh, you know, seven or eight years. Yeah. Uh, actually longer than they would have been. Yeah, about, about 10 years yeah. uh, before I, and I was, you know, incorporating some of the skills I learned in that before I quit my job, you know, mm -hmm. as, as music, like, like I said, my side hustle. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then that was like, that was a training ground, yeah. you know, really for trying to run a business. Because in the end, as you know, um, being a musician, an independent musician is is certainly yeah. running a business. And there's it certainly is. <laughs> there, there's merchandising and there's, and there's performing. Yeah. Um, and then there's accounting and, and selling, marketing selling and, and all looking. That, yeah. All, all those that. things. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That's great. You came from a great background to approach music. So that, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. So what were your yeah. days like before the pandemic? Um, yeah. How did you manage your time? What, what would be a typical day for you? 
Uh, it really depends on the day of the week. You know, Mondays are kind of the day that I try to do my best to take off. You know, I might work an hour or two on the mm-hmm. computer if, I, if there's something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mondays are kind of my day off. Tuesdays, um, when, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are kind of like my in-office days. Okay. Uh, and so what, is that, what does that look like? What are you doing? Calling clients or booking shows or... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really will um, starts off by just checking my email and looking mm-hmm. at what's built up over the weekend, you know, and <laughs> yeah. what needs to be addressed, yeah. you know, uh, and then kind of, and then that that will kind of start my day, and I write a, 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 a list down, I have a notebook, and I turn the page every week and start a new list of to-dos, and, you know, that can be, um, it, it can be working on a, a, a Facebook ad you know mm-hmm. um it could be working on the website if there's a certain part of the website that needs developed or updated mm-hmm. um it can certainly be working you know course like i said corresponding with with uh, my booking manager mm-hmm. um and seeing if there's anything he, he basically everything runs through me you know mm-hmm. i kind of yeah. approve most of my shows yep um unless it's repeat venues um so a lot of a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. and um, I work very closely with my graphic designer who happens to be my girlfriend. Oh, well, that's <laughs> um, convenient. So, yeah. I tell everybody who's an independent musician, uh, the best thing you can do is is uh, find a, a spouse or a partner who's a graphic designer. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but, that's but great. Quite a bit. So she works, our desks are actually one big, long connected desk in the office where I'm talking to you from right now. And, um, you know, so we'll be going back and forth on different stuff that she's putting together, whether that's new merch designs or, or promo stuff or, or whatever. So, that's um, and, and then just, you know, paying the band, you know, making sure the band's getting paid from the yeah. weekend before, yeah. um, you know, uh, keeping track of uh, going through receipts from the weekend before, mm-hmm. um, keeping track of all that and spreadsheets for tax yeah. purposes and, yeah. and, you know, balancing the books and, and yeah. that's kind of, typically what my Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays will look like. Just mm-hmm. all that kind of creative stuff if we want to shoot a video for social media. Yeah. Uh, certainly social media posts, um, yeah. setting stuff that, like that. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I tell people that, you know, the time that I'm actually on stage performing, I feel like, boy, this is just fantastic because all the other stuff is just the busy business work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it absolutely is that. And there's yeah. that kind of romantic idea of a singer-songwriter, you know, um, you know, waking up with a, with a, with a bottle of whiskey and last night's <laughs> cigarette on your breath and, and, you know, tormenting yourself through the day, trying to write songs and, and yeah. stumbling into the venue that night. And, and, and it just, that's just a fantasy world. You yeah. know, I think there's people that probably do that. They're either already famous and making a lot of money yep. or they're, or they're going nowhere. That's right. <laughs> you know? Fast. You're right. You're right. That's really. <laughs> so it's, how, it's, how many, how many people are in your band? How large is your band? Uh, we're four piece. So, four piece. Uh, including mm-hmm. myself. So mm-hmm. um, I oh, play wow. acoustic guitar and sing. Okay. Uh, a guy named Dave Glover plays electric guitar and back, does background harmonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Moser, he does, uh, he plays bass mm-hmm. and background harmonies. And then we have a guy named Tim Fires that plays drums for us. So, wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and how did you put this band together? Are these people that you knew or are they people that you auditioned? I mean, how did how did you come by this particular group of individuals? Well, the band has been, to, I've had a band for what would be, I think, seven years now. Mm-hmm. And none of, the, none of the guys other than me are original members. But it's like, you know, one guy leaves 
And then another guy in the band knows this guy, you right. know, to replace right. him. Yeah. And just kind of been a, a domino yeah. kind of thing like yeah. that. I think the um, Bruce and Dave have been in the band for four years now. Okay. Um, so they came on board pretty much right when I had quit my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And because at that point I needed to get serious about, yeah. hey, you know, I need guys that, yeah. hey, we got a call to open a show this Thursday night. And it's two or three days away. Can we go? You know, like I need guys that could do that. Commit. And that kind of weeded out a couple guys right from the start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then last year, the guy who'd been in my band for the longest, John Byler Dan, he actually was our bass player. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, He, it was time. He decided to walk away. He had five kids and been in the band for six years and he was just ready to go. And so um, our, our drummer at the time, Bruce, uh, agreed to move to bass because we didn't couldn't we couldn't find any bass players oh. but we knew somebody who was played drums that would fit real well unfortunately bruce was not only talented enough to do that but he had the personality to be able to handle that yes you know? yes um, so, so yeah it's just been kind of like add a guy take a guy away yeah. add a guy, take a guy away for, for over the course of seven years and, that's fantastic um, you know sometimes you know people who are band leaders as you are um sometimes have an obligation or they feel an obligation to their friends who may not have the commitment to be able to travel or be, you know, so that, that kind of causes um, a little bit of extra angst, I think, you know, and through all of that, (laughs) all of that, I've had to make really difficult decisions. I've had to let people go who were my friends that just weren't yeah um performing well and it yeah. wasn't even necessarily performing well but not willing to put the work in yes. to get better yes and do the things that we needed to do you yeah. know and um yeah. that that's been there it, it's it's running a business it's a tough yeah. it's full of tough decisions you know yes so, you're right you're right that's very true yeah yeah so tell me how your life has been during the pandemic how have yeah. you adjusted has it changed a lot or what's been going on it certainly changed a lot in March, you know, as it did for everybody. I mean, there were three months where we weren't playing at all. Of course, um, we weren't, um, we weren't practicing at all. And, and the thing about it hit the the day after uh, we got the shutdown notice, the shelter in place Mm -hmm. order um, was the day I got all my mixes back from the album we've been working oh, on. Geez. And of course the bill for those mixes, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> which isn't, which isn't cheap. No. Um, so it, we were kind of in this place, this limbo, you know, I mean, yeah. what do you, what do you do? Cause I had planned on all the money we were going to make this summer on yeah. our shows, which is our busy season. We play a lot of outdoor events, yeah. um, you know, where with, where the where the venues have bigger budgets and it's just where we make most of our money is between may and october for the year um so we planned on using that money to get this record out and so we were kind of stuck you know i did some it took me a little while you know it's like right when the pandemic hit everybody who had ever picked up a guitar in their entire life was doing live streams yeah you know yeah. And I just felt like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, you yeah. know, yeah. who throws up a tip jar link right. And, right. and begs for money on a live stream. Yeah. Um, however, we started getting so many requests for them from our fans ah. that um, we started doing a couple. And, you know, we did a couple and made a, and tons of tips and great, a bunch of money. And then the next one was about half that. And the next one was about half that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I did a, a handful of them before I, I felt like it was getting 
to be a tired, yeah. tired con. Yeah, people. Yeah, people get fatigued with that, and yeah, then everybody absolutely. starts doing it, and you know. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely been a a difficult time for performers. You know, it's been yeah. really, um, really a struggle. You know, I over yeah. the summer, I really pretty much did nothing. I had a couple of um, conventions that I was contacted to do, and uh, I did them via Zoom. One of them um, was a rec- pre-recorded. And the other, they said, we just want to see you live doing it. So there I was in my living room singing (laughs) (laughs) for this thing. It was just really, really bizarre. But, you know, it it worked out. And, um, you know, but people have really, people have really struggled, you know, with this. And it's just such a, you know, how do you pivot? How do you, how do you make it work? So once, once you got past that stage, then you were able to do some outdoor things once the weather got warmer. Well, there's one more step in there that was probably the most critical. I mean, from the, from day one, um, our following bought a ton of merch wow, uh, from really from as soon as it started to support us. That's so there were the great. tips coming in for live streams with a bunch of merch. But the question for me was, all right, I don't want I wanted to make sure that I came out of this pandemic still running. You know, mm-hmm. not losing momentum, and still going. And for me, a critical piece for that was to release the record uh, uh. that we that we had planned to release. Yes. So, so in May I launched uh, me and Elise, my girlfriend, grad slash graphic designer, um, <laughs> put together, um, a web page on our website that was basically, I called it a crowdfund campaign. Okay. okay. What it really was, was a pre-order campaign. Okay. Um, so, so basically we put this whole web page together with different goals Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of different merch packages mm-hmm. that pre-order the record and, or you could get, you know, you could get the vinyl, you could get the CD, you could get the t-shirt, vinyl and CD bundles. Mm-hmm. We did creative stuff. Like, uh, we did, a, we did a handful of private shows. Um, I did, uh, a couple, like I'll write a song for you. You tell me your story. I'll write the song. Wow. That's we great. Sold, we sold two of those. Um, you know, I would shoot a video for you on my phone. So we did all kinds of mm-hmm. like, creative ways to get people to pre-order the record yes. in, in a bunch of different forms. And our goal for that, and we did it, we didn't do it like on Kickstarter or or, or any of the platforms online because I felt like I was going to give them 5% right off the top yeah. of everything we made. Yeah. And I knew we could build it ourselves on our webpage. Yeah, because you had the following. Um, you had the following. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the new and the emails and the, you know, email. the email, yep. as, as you know, emails so gathering emails for the years are is is so critical. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we launched that. Our, our original goal was fifteen thousand dollars, and we had that in about nine hours. Wow! And a few weeks wow. later, by the time it ended, we had generated forty two thousand dollars. Wow! Um, Congratulations to you. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was wow. it was unreal. I mean, when you talk about validation. You know, coming from That's your, wonderful. Your phone. Yeah, you know, well, and you're such a nice guy. You know, people like you. No, no kidding. You are. You just have a very nice aura, and that that really, you know, that's a wonderful thing. People really respond to that. I think one of the critical things is about trying to develop a following as an independent musician um, is just being down to earth with people and making friends with them. Yeah. You know, and being and being accessible. Being accessible. If, if you're not accessible, then then you're it's real i think it's really hard to generate a following unless yeah. you're just a savant yeah which yeah. I'm not, you know <laughs> you know you have to have to be like truly world-class amazing and in that case you're not going to be independent for long yeah um, yeah you know so 
it's it's just a matter of doing the doing the daily work and getting to know people and enjoying that process. Um, so the the crowdfund like pre order campaign that was critical because it, it we ended up releasing that wrap we wrapped that up at the end of May and then we released the record on time um, September twenty wow. fifth wow. and. It just, it, that money all got invested in the record. Like I didn't like put a new driveway in or buy a new <laughs> yeah. car with that, you know, like we invested it all in the record and started to record the record we're currently working on for next year. That's with great. It. Um, but it gave a cushion. It's not like I had to hand that all over at one time. Yes. So, you know, throughout the course of the summer, I was, you know, ordering CDs and then ordering vinyl and and, you know, paying for advertising and stuff. So it was stretched out. So it gave us a cushion. And then in June, we were able to start going back and playing some, mm-hmm. some outdoor shows, which um, uh, until just this past week when I had to cancel everything for the rest yeah. of the year. And, and probably, yeah. uh, but so it, that was just so critical. And it underscores the importance of developing relationships with your fans and, get, and, having, and having a way to contact them. That's which absolutely of course, right. As you know, is, is having emails, you That's know, and, right. and People, people, and getting an email to start is really intimidating at the beginning. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember when you first started trying to generate them. I remember yeah. thinking, gosh, you've got 25 people signed up. Do right. I really need to send an email out to these 25 right. people? Yeah. You know, and the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, because you know, you're you building relationships. To, so you're building relationships yeah. with those people. Absolutely. That is really, it's, it's wonderful. You know, I talk a lot in my courses about the importance of building an email list because, you know, social media is a great thing. But if Facebook yeah. or Instagram or something changes their algorithms, those people might not see you anymore. You know, they might right. not see they what do. you're posting. Yeah, which they do all the time. Yeah, I which mean, they do all the things time. That, things that worked on Facebook three years ago don't work as well. That's right. You remember like back in the days when you could just, you could post an event about something and you could tag a hundred people. Right, right. <laughs> No No more. (laughs) There's people that still do that. It's like that Facebook figured that out really quickly. That's right. That's right. That's right. So that email list allows you to reach out to those people who are your fans, your clients, whatever. And it's it's uh it's fantastic. So that that's that's really important. So well this, you know, I'm I'm so, you know, I'm so happy to hear from you because you know, so often performers just don't know how to approach their business at all. And I'm always yeah. harping on this email list thing on because this is something that you actually own. And right. it becomes the most asset important asset to your business to be able to right. reach out to your uh to your followers. So so that is okay. that's great. So how do you plan to move forward now through this the rest of the year with all of your stuff being canceled? Yeah. That's a good question. You know, and yeah. we're we're thinking about some different things. Um yeah, because because I did make like I said, I made the decision to cancel the rest of the shows. I talked to a, a yeah. friend of mine, close friend who's an emergency doctor here yeah. in Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. a few nights ago. Because we'd been playing some in, some shows and even some indoor shows, and large by and large, you know, a lot of these bars and, and venues that were remaining open and insisting on remaining open just weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. <laughs> They're not taking all the precautions. Yeah, yeah. And I've and I and I've been pretty big since since this all started on emphasizing personal responsibility. Like you know, if, mm-hmm. if if you're if you personally are willing to take the risk to go out and get sick and come to a show, then you know, yeah. who am I to say you can't do that? Right. But my my the, the threshold for me has always been if the hospitals do actually fill up, 
and people don't have a place to get care. That's where it becomes for me a real ethical dilemma. Absolutely. Um, And I talked to uh, the doctor about that uh, Tuesday night, I think. And, you know, he expressed to me that here in the Midwest, it's truly getting to serious, serious point in the hospitals on the ground. Um, And so we decided we needed to go ahead and take the step Mm -hmm. to cancel the rest of our shows. Mm -hmm. And and who knows how it'll be even, you know, once the new year starts, we're going to take that. Yeah. As as it comes. comes. Yeah. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. You know, we, of course, we we just came out with a whole new line of merchandise. Mm -hmm. um, Which is great. So you can sell that. Yeah. So so that's a little boost right out of the top. Mm Because, you know, you've kind of got that core group of people who they're going to buy something. If you come out with some new stuff, they're going to buy something pretty much every time. That's right. That's right. That's great. That's great. So tell me how you came up with the, the idea of the Black Dirt Country Rock Band. You know, I mean, tell us about sure. that. What exactly is that? Uh, well, first of all, as you know, like branding is really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, since the business savvy podcast, I want to emphasize that, like, just developing your own niche. Yeah. Um, is important mm-hmm. and sticking to that and kind of running everything you do through that lens. Mm-hmm. And I think where that particular branding decision came, came into play is I, I grew up, or I say grew up really once I started getting the music into my early twenties and late teens, mm-hmm. some of the people I was listening to were guys out of Texas, like Pat Green and Reckless Kelly and bands like that who typically called red dirt mm-hmm. uh, red dirt music you know yeah. and it's like this and it's like a country rock a lot of it's like the, at least the, the variations of it i liked were a country rock um southern rock influence mm-hmm. type of thing yeah and and i so i really kind of borrowed or stole that concept and mm-hmm. since i'm from of course down in oklahoma and texas where that movement was born they have red dirt down right. there. I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. And you got black dirt around in you. In the middle of, <laughs> of farm country. And yeah. it's, it's black dirt. Yeah. So, yeah. so I just kind of took that. I just kind of just twisted what they were doing a little bit into my own context. And, That's fantastic. And we just kind of ran with that. Yeah. That is fantastic. Well, we are going to post some of your things in our show notes, some of your music, your website, and all of those things where people can hear more about you, learn more about you, because you're just, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, Thank you. Yeah, your music is great. Um, You know, as I said, you're a nice guy, and that reads, and that, but really, you know, that's important. People want to be able to trust you and like you and and feel that your values are like theirs. You know, it's, it's, um, it's important, so... Fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. We've enjoyed having you here. Well, thank you. I'm I'm so glad. It's good to see you. It's been a couple of years. It's good to see you, and I'm glad things are going well overall for you. Um, And I wish you much... Yeah, and we're hopeful about what's going to come out in 2021. We're going to do a new record. Um, We're thinking about, you know, building a... a, a, um, a fan club and Good. maybe doing another crowdfund campaign to get this next record off the ground because who knows how long we're going to be off and we've got I'm, I'm writing new songs and we're excited about yeah. it regardless of what regardless yeah. of all this just, all right. you can really do is stay positive and remain hopeful so. that's right and, and be grateful for what you have you know absolutely and yeah. that, that is so important and just keep moving forward one foot in front of the other Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's great to see you. Great to talk with you. Wishing you much, much continued success. And uh, we will be in touch soon. 
Sounds great. Thank you so much. All right, Joe. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us as we celebrate these wonderful singers. What a treat it is to get a glimpse into their lives. Next week, we will embark upon our third Business Savvy Singer podcast season. We hope that you will continue to join us each week as we educate, entertain, and encourage singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at GretaPope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.